Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This show is brought to you by Lumit.com. Check it out if you're looking for financing, especially for multifamily, uh, for senior properties like that. Really check them out. It's Lumit.com. Well, big part of commercial real estate are incentives, right? Tax credits, property tax abatements, and other governmental incentives. And one of the things that we're always trying to do and we're always looking at in commercial real estate is highest and best use of, of any properties. Well, of course, one of the sectors having some struggles today in some markets are the office properties. There's been a lot of talk about converting these office buildings to residential. We need more residential. We need more housing. We need more affordable housing. But a lot of these buildings are really not suitable. Uh, some of them are. And even if they are, they're very expensive uh, to convert. You know, you're really building uh, uh, apartments, you know, inside of a shell. Maybe you save a year or two with, you know, having that shell and having that building there. So you save some interest carry, but it's very expensive. So it's very difficult in a lot of these places to get these numbers kind of pencil out to do these conversions. Well, are there some incentives happening? Well, yes, the government is stepping up. So some of these tax credits, some of these incentives will help you with office to residential conversion, but also with other projects you may be working in. Please welcome my guest. It's Ron Gart. He's a partner with SafeArth, and uh, you know them. They're a big law firm in the U.S. Ron, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, Ron, you know, converting office to residential is kind of on the minds of a lot of people, but uh, there's some struggles in, in doing that, aren't there? Yeah. Um... As we've seen coming out of COVID, a lot of discussion about office projects generally, office usage, uh, remote working, those sorts of things. So putting into context of what we're now, what we really want to focus on is how do we address that context? Um, let me just raise a couple of items because it, it, it affects not the current status of office, but I think the future status of office. And that is we've got a national vacancy rate of at least 18.2% in the office marketplace. We've got folks that are showing up on average about 51% of the time during the week, with Fridays only 34% plus or minus, according to Castle, showing up. We've got um, uh, office loans that are in distress. And in fact, approximately 44% of commercial office loans are in um, near imminent default, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. So we've got this context of office being in distress. What do we do about that? And the question relates not only do we, what do we do about it, uh, and the question is, why do we want to do something about it? And the very first point I want to make is that this is not just an issue for the current ownership, but with this distress, these distressed properties, banks, and other holders of notes are going to end up, or perhaps end up, owning a lot of these facilities, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with these facilities. A natural discussion point has been, hey, let's convert this to housing or residential because there's a dearth of, of new housing, especially in urban areas. Um, there's a deficit, and has been have been a def, has been a deficit deficit of 
housing, let alone affordable housing, for years. So we're trying to mirror uh, and match a couple of objectives. Deal with vacancies, deal with residential use, um, make urban areas more vibrant. And the reasons we want to do this, among other reasons, are that the cities are going to take it on the chin with valuations being affected for real estate tax assessments, transfer taxes to the extent a jurisdiction has transfer taxes, um, fewer transactions occurring, less retail sales tax. So, so we've got all these various interests looking to now find a way to deal with vacant or nearly vacant office product in owners, lenders, residents, and governments. And with that, the question is, how do we get this accomplished? And that's why cities, states, and more recently, over the last uh, several months, the White House have started to focus on ways to help promote conversion of office to residential. And in fact, uh, what piqued our interest a couple of weeks ago, actually it was a couple months ago, uh, but we wrote about it a couple weeks ago, was the White House coming out with its own um, guidelines. It's actually called Commercial to Residential Conversions Guidebook in October. October 27th is when it came out. Um, and that gave some play to the concept of, hey, we've got these federal programs out here. You developers or owners or, frankly, lenders who become owners ought to look at these programs and put that in the context of finding ways to help promote housing, let alone affordable housing. And that, in theory, would then benefit cities, lenders, and developers. And that's what our focus has become uh, in the last several weeks. Um, and then, of course, uh, there are a number of cities that have adopted their own programs as well, because at the end of the day, with that context that we've got in terms of why we need this, the fact is, and you pointed this out, Michael, is it's expensive to convert office buildings. And it, not only is it expensive, but not all office buildings are convertible. Um, floor plates are, are an issue. Window lines become an issue. So that some properties are not good for conversion as, as conversion candidates. Those that are, as we discussed, is expensive. Plumbing, fire systems, HVA systems, all have to be reworked for residential. And, and the reality is that today, at least, with the marketplace being what it is in terms of lending um, uh, both amounts of funds available and sources of funds available are limited. Uh, that's the reality that we live in with inflation, with high interest rates or higher interest rates, even if they're coming down, um, so that the hope and expectation by the marketplace has been that governments, federal, state, local governments would step in and provide some assistance. Right. And, you know, that's a good point that you make. It's not just a problem for current office owners or, or their lenders. It's, uh, it's, it's all of us in the community with the reducing in tax uh, income for the, for, the, for the municipalities. And also, if you own a, a operate or own or invest in a business or in other real estate, you're around these office buildings, right? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, and that's why governments should get involved. Not, not necessarily to bail out a developer but to help provide a vibrant community, which is a governmental function, if you will, um, or at least someone would argue it's a governmental function. Uh, I don't know if that's controversial or not, but 
That's why governments step in. Well, it seems like uh, everyone should be on board, but I guess there's some folks who, who don't agree with that, right? Well, when you're looking at you know, individual developers on their own, you know, hey, it's a market issue. Um, but the reality is it's, this is no longer just a market issue. Uh, at least I don't believe it is. And, and I, th- I think most folks in commercial real estate would say it's not. And as I said, once you start affecting retail sales, restaurant sales, sales taxes, uh, real estate tax assessment values, and then revenues that, that go to the to cities, this is affecting, impacting entire communities. Um, and the only ones that can affect change in some cases are governments. So in addition to, and we're going to talk about incentives in a moment, but in, in a number of jurisdictions, you've got a zoning problem. Um, zoning does not permit residential use uh, or a certain type of residential use or the density that's necessary to make a conversion project um, economic. So the only party that can change the zoning is the local authority. And that's a governmental authority. Yeah. And some of that's happening in some markets, right? Correct. Correct. And in fact, uh, New York, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, but I know other jurisdictions are looking at if there are impediments, zoning impediments, then uh, clearly there's a focus. Uh, and D.C. is one of them as well, where they're trying to ad- address that and make it such that you can provide more density and make it worthwhile to convert some of these office buildings into residential or and, and t- t- uh, take away from residential mixed use it, it may not just be residential right and it reminds me of uh you know when a lot of the malls were failing um and you kind of look at some other uses and the zoning was prohibitive there and it seemed like at first the municipalities were like no no it's got to be retail well it's at some point they realized it's not going to be big box retail yeah we, we've got we've got to have some help in zoning here right certainly in the urban areas i think that's I think there's some acknowledgement. There ought to be acknowledgement. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And when you talk about the uh, incentives that uh, the government is working on, you know, it's it's pretty inclusive, right? There's how many uh, aspects do they have? What are they trying to do here? Well, so what we've seen uh, in various cities and um, across the nation from and so far, I'm aware of Boston, New York, Chicago, L.A., New York, um, Houston, uh, I've all dealt with initiatives, incentives uh, uh, to support the conversion process. But but we're talking about conversion today. Uh, prior to two years ago, if you will, the focus has been trying to get more affordable housing. So, so again, a lot of these jurisdictions are trying to um, match up affordable housing and conversions. Some are just focusing, uh, I think, on conversions. Um, but what, what we find is there are different ways to help out owners. I, want to, I don't want to call them developers anymore, but owners of these properties. So one way is uh, tax abatements, and, and that is where the local municipality will agree that the real estate taxes that are assessed against a converted property, converted to residential now, um, will be reduced for a period of time. and. Typically, they, they, to the extent it's, it's a mixed-use property, so you've got commercial and you've got residential, the abatement may only apply to that which is residential. You've got tax increment financing, where there um, is third-party financing made available, and the source of repayment are the revenues generated by that property. Um, 
So you've got that as an incentive. You've got, um, uh, in, in some states, a reduction in transfer taxes, so such that, um, and in fact, I think we've got one, uh, it was San Francisco. They're looking to uh, waive the transfer tax, which right now is 6% on transactions over $25 million. Um, so that, again, we reduce the upfront hit to an owner who's looking to now convey the property. Because if, if you've got a property that's vacant or substantially vacant, you've got a couple choices. You can try to reduce rents to get down to below, we'll call it below market, to attract people and try to generate revenue. You can try to sell it. You can try to demolish it. Um, and, and you can try to convert it yourself. So uh, at the end of the day, more likely than not, there's going to be a transfer involved because more likely than not, um, if you've got a property like that, you don't have the capital to go ahead and make that those costs for conversion. And even with some of the incentives we'll talk about in a moment. So you're looking to sell this to somebody else. Well, transfer tax at 6% is pretty prohibitive, um, especially on a distressed property. Someone's got to pick that up. So to have that waived is, is a substantial benefit uh, to the purchaser slash seller in getting the, the pricing. So we've got zoning changes. We've got tax increment financing. We've got tax abatements. We've got transfer tax reductions. We've got, um, in some cases, similar to, to tax abatement, a pilot program where you pay, make payments in lieu of taxes. And in Boston, for example, uh, they recently launched a pilot program where the average benefit, I understand, is about 75% of the fair market of the residential valuation um, uh, will be taxed uh, for up to the 29-year period. So that, a substantial reduction on cash flow for that project. So um, let's see. Uh, those are the primary, we'll call it the, the local efforts um, that have been adopted and that have been talked about so far. And then, uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, the White House had made a, it came out with a statement in October, uh, October 27th, with this um, guidebook. And, and the guidebook follows about two years worth of other either pronouncements, uh, uh, policies, where there was a focus by the White House on promoting affordable housing. The difference is with this pronouncement in October and why there's been such play in the media about this is that they now added office to residential conversions as a focus for these other programs that are already in existence. So they didn't create new programs for conversion, but they're trying to show the marketplace that there are existing programs that are available that may be used to convert office to residential, office uh, to uh, 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 mixture of residential and um, commercial, meaning retail, and then, frankly, perhaps other uses. Um, the focus here is primarily housing because it's, it, again, follows that affordable housing uh, bent that, that the White House had. But there are other programs available that you might be able to convert, say, a warehouse to something else that may be used. Yeah, there's a lot of different uh, uses uh, we're seeing uh, today for some of these buildings. And then some of these uh, incentives that have been included now for office to residential conversion include tax credits, right? Correct. Well, uh, again, it's an existing program where you can use tax credits. So the um, what the guide 
book shows is that there are approximately, well, they identify 21 federal programs that if you can stitch together, and you're not going to stitch 21 of them together, but you might be able to stitch one, two, or three together, you can get tax credit. So, uh, for example, the rehabilitation tax credit uh, would be available if your project otherwise qualifies as a rehab. Um, there are, in addition to tax credits, there are loan guarantees that may be available. So the, the Department of Energy, again, you've got to qualify for energy efficient conversion um, and adoption of, of, of equipment and, and methods uh, for, for the DOE program. You've got Department of Transportation has a, a couple of programs and they've identified up to $35 billion worth of funds available that may be used for conversion of office to residential. At least that's the focus, if you will, under the under the guidelines and the guidebook. Um, but the, the, the fact is, these programs exist, and the focus there is to generate transit-oriented development uh, in an urban area. So you're tied to either a transit station in one program or uh, uh, bus stations or other avenues of public transit oriented um, facilities and nearby and in one and in one program it's within a half mile uh, of that particular station in order to find those funds use those funds for the conversion of property so you got substantial funding potentially available transit oriented development in an urban area for probably like you know for a lot of properties uh, probably uh, available um, and so you can use the loan guarantees, you can use the tax credits that we said. There are also grants uh, if you satisfy, uh, again, the, the criteria for the EPA. There's technical assistance by HUD. Um, there is uh, uh, availability of, of even using uh, 221 uh, D4 funds, mortgage funds, out of a, an existing HUD program um, because they've now included conversions as the type of property that could be funded by 221 D4 um, uh, mortgage uh, uh, funds. So, you, so, so you've got this amalgam of programs out there, and uh, the guide book identifies these 21 programs and does provide or sets out various requirements for each of the programs, and then ideally, a given owner. Um, and it can be a for, and in most cases, or many cases, can be for profit. It, it, uh, there are a few that are limited to nonprofit. Um, there are um, others, which I'll get back in a minute, just go to governments. But the point is, you can look at this guidebook in one place and identify up to 21 programs, some of which will work for your given project. Yeah, and one of those is about $10 billion in grants. Uh, right from from HUD, and uh, right. you know grants are interesting. That's that's money. That's kind of like what my uh, my children ask for me. It's just like a grant, right? <laughs> it's like give me some money. Well, you're a nice dad. Okay, you know, <laughs> what can I say? Um, but but yeah yeah. So, so with, with the with the grants, generally speaking, they, they're they're going to come through community uh, development block grants that will go to the c cities and localities from which you will then apply if you're a private owner. Um, and, and again, try to use those resources, assuming you otherwise satisfy the criteria for the, for the community development block grant in your locale. But ideally, if you're putting grants through the CBG funds 
and then you're pulling through for purpose of discussion a transit-oriented development project. Um, you pull the the Department of Transportation funds together, then in, you ought to be able to find. I don't want to call it a subsidy, but a base level of funds from which you can work and then identify what, how much capital you need to as part of that stack that you'll need to, to go ahead and, and uh, prosecute a, a conversion. Which yeah. If you identified it's needed, you've identified it's expensive, uh, we've identified we need support, this is how you do it. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I want to get some final closing ideas from you, uh, Ron, but uh, just to tell the audience, look, we're going to have a link to, to this uh, commercial to residential conversions uh, guidebook at our show website or wherever you're getting the show. Most of you are getting it, uh, Apple Podcasts or something. So in the show description, we'll have a link to the actual report. If you just want to Google it, Google uh, commercial to residential conversions, um, White House, and uh, you can see the report. So, Ron, what would you leave our audience with to think about regarding these uh, incentives for these conversions? I, I think under the current circumstances, everyone ought to, ought to be looking at these incentives to see which ones apply, how you can best effectuate a conversion. We're going to need this. Cities are going to need this. Um, we, we haven't discussed the, the urban doom loop, but, but the, the reality is that there's a very real concern that if we don't address this conversion to residential uh, and mixed use transit oriented development type projects, the cities are going to be in a world of hurt. And it's not just the current private developers that are going to be affected. It is the cities, it is the lenders, it's a whole community that we're trying to address. So we've got to look at this now, uh, be creative, and, and be active. Yeah. So city planners, um, governmental uh, folks, and, and people who care about their community, really should probably get on the bandwagon right here and, and, and help. Because some of these incentives are just locally based, right? Like the transfer tax and you know some of these uh, credits. Yeah, I suspect that, that that cities will try to adopt more than one. That, that they're going to have to. Right. Uh, they they're not yet seeing the loss of revenue. It's just starting to happen now as the as the new assessments. And remember, some jurisdictions you're reassessed every three years. Uh, some it's on an annual basis as of January. So this January they're starting to look at these properties that are substantially vacant, and those those values going to come down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then not to mention, uh, on top of that, they've got all the other property sectors that just the doubling of the interest rates have caused those values to, to come down some as well, regardless if they're performing well, uh, with insurance costs going up and, uh, and net operating incomes kind of being uh, stabilized or reduced, uh, you know, uh, and, and then you take the you know, the factor of uh, interest rates being doubled. Some of those values are down, too. So it, uh, I guess tacking office as municipality and as a community is probably the the easiest button the biggest one to hit today right and, and we're already in a reactive mode now we've got to get ahead of it as right. fast as we can in my opinion yeah well good point ron and thanks for sharing this uh, with our audience and, and around the country thanks for being on the show Thank you. Great, great to see you again. All right. And thank you around the country for joining us. Please share this show. Let's, let's get the news out there uh, about these incentives because this is something that can really help us all, regardless if you own an office building or, or you're a lender. It, it impacts all of us with tax revenues for our communities, with the businesses and real estate around these office buildings. So get out there and, and spread the word. 
And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. And by Lumet. For senior housing, healthcare, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.